welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. Lord, we thank you. Such an honor it is to be able to come into your presence, Lord. Such an honor it is that we get to sing these songs to you, Lord. Such an honor it is we get to call you ours. We get to call you our king, our father, our friend, Lord. Oh, Lord, it's such an honor. Lord, I just pray as, I, as, as we come around your word tonight, this morning, Lord, that you would touch the hearts of your people, that you would speak to each of us, Lord, that your word doesn't come back void, Lord, and that every single person in this place, Lord, would hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Whew, what do we think of the team, eh? Yeah, I love that song, What a Beautiful Name. And I was reminded just then, actually, during worship, of uh, the moment when I said to God, I'm all in. The moment when I was like, that's it, God, I don't even care anymore. It's all about you. I'll do whatever you want. Right? And I, I was driving my car. I, was, I, I traveled to work at this point. I was driving to Wagga by myself. It was like a 13, 14-hour drive. And on this drive, I said to God, I'm all in. And I just knew that I had to listen to that song and worship him. And I tell you, I worshiped God to that song for about three hours straight. And I bawling my eyes out, driving it at like 11 o'clock at night. Not the best thing to recommend, but my God, it was a powerful moment. I love that song. Awesome. Hey, I'm excited today because I believe God has given me a word for his people today. I believe God has given me a word for his church, and, and I believe that we're going to leave here in closer relationship to God than how we came in. Yeah? I'm going to start with a story. But I just want to know if I'm alone here. Does anyone else here have trouble following direction? Does anyone else here hear a warning or hear, hear a guideline and think, yeah, but I know better than that, right? Does there anyone here here that's like that, or is that just me? <laughs> Parents, you wouldn't know anything about kids like this, would you? Now, when I was eight years old, right, we lived in this two-story house. It was built in underneath, had a, had a granny flat. Uh, there was like an office, a lounge room, a kitchen, and a storage room. And we used to keep all our toys and bikes and stuff in this storage room. But if we wanted to ride our bikes, we had to push them through the lounge room, down the hallway, and outside, right? But Dad had this one rule with the bikes inside, and that was that you don't ride them inside. <laughs> Makes sense to me as an adult. <laughs> right, Dad goes away. For, 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 I think it was a business trip, I'm not quite sure, but I remember one afternoon after school, I'm riding around the backyard and I realize dad's not home. This is my chance. I can prove that I can do this. I can prove that this is silly and like how cool this will be. So we, we, it was a decent sized block, not like they are now, right? So I went right up to the back fence and the yard sloped up to the fence. So I had this big run up and I thought, you know what this, this feet needs is this feet needs speed because obviously you can't do this without speed, right? So <laughs> I pedal as hard as I can at this doorway, the, the laundry doorway. I line myself up. I come to the doorway straight through a breeze. I fit through doors a lot easier then. I was a little bit smaller. <laughs> and then after you go through that door, it's quite a small laundry. There's another door directly in line. That one's perfect, beautiful. Now, when you're eight years old, 
You don't have a great understanding of physics, right? See, the thing after, after the, the laundry was there was a hard left-hand turn to go down the hallway. <laughs> so I'm thinking I'm going to ride through here, hook the handlebars straight down the hallway. Perfect. So I, I go through this second door into the hallway, and directly ahead there is another door. It's the door to the office, but it's shut and it's locked. And as I get into the hallway, I turn my handlebar sideways. And this is the 90s, right? So I didn't have grips on my handlebar. I probably picked it up off the roadside collection or something. And when I turn my, my, my handlebar sideways, I get a quick lesson in inertia. <laughs> because the bike doesn't go left. The back wheel lifts up. One end of the handlebars went through Dad's door. <laughs> and that stopped the bike. But the problem was it didn't stop me. And the other end of the handlebars went through my chin. <laughs> Now, I don't really remember too much for a little bit after there. The next thing I remember is mum coming in downstairs to find me covered in blood, bawling my eyes out. I'd pulled the bike out of the door and thrown it down the hallway, and I was feverishly trying to fill the hole in the door with a piece of chalk. <laughs> I guarantee my handyman skills are better than they were then. Just <laughs> See, Israel... God gave Israel clear direction on how to, to live in the promised land. Before I get into that, though, I'm excited, extra excited about today, right? Because I get to talk to you guys about Gideon. Okay, I love Gideon. I think Gideon is, is incredibly re relevant to today and to here and now, right? It's a story about a young man who doesn't know who he is, who believes the identity that the world has put on him, but in a moment, God talks to him. In a moment, God restores his identity, and he goes from being the least to being God's called and to leading his nation into freedom. All right. So, but we're starting in Egypt, right? Moses takes the Israelites out of Egypt. He leads them through the promise, through the wilderness into the pro or to the promised land. He passes away. Joshua takes over. Joshua leads them into the promised land. And see, God has told them that they've got to drive out all the nations in there as they go. And, and when Joshua is leading them, they do a pretty good job of doing this, right? Not perfect, but a pretty good job. And we come to this point now where it's the end of Joshua's life. And he, he leaves a warning to the Israelites, and that's in Joshua 23, 9 to 13 here. Sorry, that's it. And it says, the Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, nobody has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand, because the Lord your God fights for you, just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. But, but if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips in, on your back and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Pretty clear message. These people that are here now, they're not good. You spend some time with them, you, you compromise what I'm telling you, you, you inter, intermingle with them, you marry with them, it's going to lead to trouble. So what happens is Joshua, Joshua passes away, and, and we get into the book of Judges then, and 
we see in the first two chapters that all the other leaders that were with Joshua, by the time they pass away, this is within one generation of Joshua, right? The Israelites have continued to keep going, and, but the problem is they start to get comfortable. You know, they're living in the promise now. They start to get complacent. They start to compromise the, 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 the rules that God has given them. And in, instead of driving out these nations, they start to settle amongst them. Instead of driving them out, they start to take them as slaves and take them as wives. And it begins this cycle that happens all through the book of Judges, right, where, where Israel forgets about God, starts to follow the gods of the nations around them, and, and it leads to trouble. God allows them to fall into this trouble. They repent, they cry out to God, God hears them, so he raises up a judge. And, and he, his Holy Spirit comes upon this judge, and this judge delivers them, and through the lifetime of the judge... They, they serve God faithfully and they follow him. But when the judge, judge passes away, the cycle begins again and it repeats and they forget God and it all happens again and again and again. That's right. So as I was reading this week preparing for this, as I was thinking about the, the whole picture, I, I started to see some parallels between my own working out my salvation and, and, and like the, the people I've walked through as they work out their salvation between Israel from, Israel from Egypt to the judges, right? So I'd like to share these parallels I've seen with you, if that's okay. So God takes his people, his person out of slavery, out of bondage, leads them through a wilderness, through, through a time when he realigns them with his call and his purpose on their life and into the promise and when they first get to the promise, when we first get to the promise, when we're first saved, we're so excited. We're so passionate about it. We love it. We'll do whatever you say, Holy Spirit. That needs to go. It's gone. You don't want me doing that? I'm not there. Those people aren't great. See them later. But then after a little while, we start to get comfortable. We start to get complacent. We start to make compromises. So the big difference is between Israel and, and us is they had to wait for a judge and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon someone. But our judge, our redeemer came 2,000 years ago. We've already been set free. Freedom is already a free gift. We don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon someone because we all have the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. See, we seem to forget or we just, I'm not sure, but we forget that we're supposed to be in the world, not of the world. Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing, perfect will. See, we're not meant to conform to the world around us. We're not meant to, to become part of the culture that's around us. See, I, I have, it's probably, you guys probably get this because you're a bit wiser than the people I normally talk to, but <laughs> it's a bit of an unpopular view with people around our age, but I believe all music is worship. It's not a question of whether music is worship. It's a question of what's the music worshiping. So you can't be here on a Sunday praising God, worshiping God, on fire for God, God, I'm doing it right this time, and then get in your car on Monday, put on your playlist or put on your radio and start worshiping money or worshiping pleasure or worshiping pride, worshiping these things and then wondering why you're in this cycle where on a Sunday you're on fire and then you struggle all week to come back to Sunday and just get redeemed and then struggle all week again. 
But it's not just music. See, social media is the same thing. Consumerism is the same thing. Our culture around us is, is, I don't want to say it's designed, but it's designed to pull us into it, to disarm us as Christians. See, this is my first promise. My, my, whoa. My first point is don't compromise. See, compromise won't take the promise from you, but it will disarm you as a Christian. And it will trap you in a cycle where you're useless, essentially. And I, that, that's a hard word. I don't, I don't want to speak that over anyone, but I want you to understand the importance of what I'm saying. I want you to hear my heart here, right? It's not, I'm not trying to condemn anyone. I'm not trying to bring you down. But there's too much potential on your life. There is too much purpose on your life. There is too much authority, too much blessing, too much calling, too much grace, too much promise on your life to be stuck in a cycle any longer. Now, I know someone in here was just like, yeah, but I don't have any promise. I don't have any purpose. That's where we get to Gideon. So I'm excited now. Come on. So, <laughs> so Gideon, he's the fifth judge that God raises up. It's been 250 years since Joshua has died, and, and God has had to raise up five judges now to lead Israel out of trouble, out of idolatry, out of the cultures around them, back to God. So we start off in Judges 6, verses 1 to 24. Yeah. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Wherever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravish it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord, your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. <laughs> Matt, whoa, oh, mate. <laughs> the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord, of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon said. But is the Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? 
My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if I, have now, if I now have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it up before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour, he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot. He brought them to him, offered it to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on the rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of his staff and was in his hand, that was in his hand. Fire flared up from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abizrites. My second point this morning is that's not who you are. Don't compromise, that's not who you are. See, I love that Gideon is honest at the start. You know, he was most probably correct when he said he was the least in his family, that his family was the least in his clan. But what I love even more is it doesn't really matter because once he knows that who God says he is, it changes his perspective. See, it doesn't matter any longer who the world or even who he thinks he is. Because God has said. God says he is a mighty warrior, so it must be true. God says he will save his people, so it must be true. God says that he will be with him, so it must be true. See, it doesn't matter who the world says you are. It doesn't matter who you think you are. What God says is the only, ma- only thing that matters. What God says is the reality. See, God is the ultimate authority. But see, the enemy, the enemy can't take your calling. The enemy can't take your identity. He can't take your purpose. He can't take your giftings. But what he, what he does do is he tries to disarm you. What he does do is try and take your confidence. What he does do is tell you you're not worthy, to tell you you've missed the boat, to tell you that it's not you, to tell you that it's someone else. But what does God say? See, you're not unwanted. Colossians 3 says you are chosen, holy, and dearly loved. You are not a mistake. Psalm 139 says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Genesis 1 says you are made in God's image. Ephesians 2 says you are God's handiwork. You are not unseen. You are set apart in Jeremiah 1. You are not worthless. You have worth in Matthew 10. You are not unimportant. John 1 says you are a child of God. John 15 says you are a branch of the true vine and a conduit of Christ's life, a friend of Jesus. You are not alone in Deuteronomy 31. You are not disqualified or a screw-up. Romans 3 says that you are justified and redeemed. Romans 6 says that you are no longer a slave to sin. Romans 8 says you are not condemned by God. You are not unloved. John 3 says that you are loved. 1 John 3 says that you are his. Jeremiah 29 says that you are purposed.
So the world's opinion doesn't matter. God has the final says, and he says that you are loved. He says that you are chosen. He says that you are forgiven. He says that you are redeemed. He says that you are set apart. He says that you are worth it. He says that you are not condemned. You are set free. He says you are made with intention and purpose. He says that you are his. He says that you are a royal priesthood. He says that you are anointed. Even before God made the world, he loved you and chose you in Christ to be his holy, to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God is the ultimate authority. If that's who he says you are, that's who you are. He knows you better than, than I know you. He knows you better than Pastor Dave knows you. He knows you better than your mom knows you, your dad, your partner. He knows you better than you know yourself. So if he says that you are that, then you are that. What I love about Gideon is he, he's aware of this as fact. And when God says, no, you're not the least, he goes from being the least and, and no longer chosen, not, not important to being God's chosen and to, to leading his, his people, his nation out of captivity, out, out of idolatry. And we come back to Judges 6 now, verses 25 to 27. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down, your, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. See, Gideon's identity was restored by God. And now Gideon had this big call in his life. Remember, God's just told him, you're going to lead these people out of captivity. You're going to lead these people out of danger. You're going to lead these people out of idolatry. But before he did any of that, he needed to, to, to get his house right. He needed to get himself right. And he needed to make a bold statement that said, as for me, it doesn't matter that I'm the least. As for my household, we're serving the Lord. Come on. So don't compromise. That's not who you are. Tear down those altars. That's my third point is tear down those altars. See, if you've identified a compromise you made, and I don't want anyone to feel condemned or ashamed here, we've, we've all made compromises on our walk. We all continue to make compromises on our walk. If you've had your identity, if you accept your identity, if your identity has been restored by God, and you know that there is a call and a purpose on your life, because there is a call and a purpose on your life. If you don't know that, I want you to know that right now. The f next thing you need to do is you need to tear down the altars to those things that have had taken a foothold, to those things that have taken a place in your heart, to the things that have been invited in by these compromises. You need to tear down those altars, lay them down before God, and worship Him. I want to give you an opportunity to do that tonight. The band can come back. I want to give you this morning. You can do it tonight too if you want, but we'll start with this morning. <laughs> but before I get to that, I want to give an opportunity for anyone in here that maybe doesn't know God, 
doesn't know him as your Lord and Savior, doesn't know this promise that we've been talking about, I want to give you an opportunity to invite him in. Because I want to let you know, if you're here today and you don't know anything about this, maybe you've been away for a long time, you need to know that God has a plan for you. You need to know that, that before the creation of the earth, God had a plan to send his son to the cross to pay the price for you. That meant any, any transgressions you make, any mistakes you make don't matter because he would pay the price so that you could live a, a full life, life to, a, to the full is what Jesus calls it. So you can live in relationship with your creator and you can live life how it's meant to be lived. A brand new start, no longer held back by your mistakes, no longer held back by, by anything, living with purpose, living with calling, living with authority, living loved and in relationship with your creator. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand up now. And we'll ask everyone to to close their eyes and bow their heads. Because I want to give you some privacy if that's you. If you want to Invite God into your life in this moment. I don't want you to be worried about what's going on around you. And I want to let you know you're not joining a religion here. You're not joining a church. What's going to happen is I'm going to pray a prayer and the the whole church is going to pray it with me. And you're going to start this brand new life that we're talking about. So right now with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, if you want to invite this Jesus, invite this God into your life, I'm just going to ask you right now to raise your hand. This is the best decision you will ever make. So you're not here by accident today. You're not here because somebody invited you. You're not here because you felt like coming. You're here because God had a plan to meet with you. You're here with a God where, because God had a plan to enter your life today. So one more time, is that you? Are you here? Do you want to invite God into your life today? Awesome. Hey, we're going to pray this prayer together now, church. And if, if that was you, or maybe if you wanted to do that and you, you didn't, couldn't quite get the courage or whatever, I encourage you to, to, to take part in this and to, to pray this, yeah? So if we pray it after me, hey God, I thank you that you have a plan for my life. I accept the free gift that is this new life. Jesus, I thank you for paying the price for me. Lord, I'm ready to start my new life. Amen. Come on. Hey, if you did make that decision, we'd love the opportunity to talk to you. We'd love the opportunity to give you any resource. We'd love the opportunity to to help you answer any questions that you might have. So please come and find us after the service. But now I want to talk to everyone in the room. See, I want to give you an opportunity now. And like I said before, this isn't something to be ashamed of. This is something that we should be doing as Christians on a regular basis. We need to be searching our heart. We need to be pulling down the compromises that, we, that we've made. We need to be pulling down the altars and the false idols that are in our lives. 
But see, what Gideon had to do, it wasn't a private decision. What Gideon had to do, it wasn't something he did in secret. See, he made a bold decision. He had to make a bold statement to tear down these idols. See, I believe that a physical action results in a spiritual reaction. So I'm going to ask you, and the band's going to lead us in worship in a moment. I'm going to ask you to come down the front. So that can be your action to say, I'm tearing down these altars. And this isn't an altar call where we're going to pray for you. If you want us to pray for you, you can ask us to after we'd love to pray for you, pray with you. But this is your moment to come down with the authority that you have because the price was already paid by Jesus. Because you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You're not waiting for a judge. You're not waiting for for the Holy Spirit to come on anybody. This is your moment, an intimate moment, moment between you and God to tear down that altar, to lay it before God and to worship Him, to put Him back in number one before you go out and, and, and enact your calling, before you go and live your purpose, you first need to tear down the, false, the, the altars and the false idols in your life and worship God. So I'm going to invite you to come now. The band's going to lead us in some worship. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.